Hello and welcome. Coming to you from the land of the free and the home of the brave. I'm Josh. And I'm John. And I've got a Nathan's hot dog ready to chow down. But unfortunately, they canceled the event this year due to weather. So, Oh, I hate it when that happens. Mm. But this is the Geek ETC Podcast, where we dive into all things you can geek out about. Happy 4th of July. Hey, Independence Day, y'all. And America. I'm not sick. You're... That's my gift to the United States of America is I'm on my own two feet. That's what you're celebrating this Independence Day is not being sick. It's not being sick, not being bedridden for like a whole week. Um, Isn't that funny, though? I just read that earlier where I just talked about that they canceled this year's like Coney Island hot dog eating contest due to weather. Really? Yeah. You know where else you oh, can eat you hot dogs? That up. No, I did not. <laughs> you know where else you can eat hot dogs? Um, I mean, anywhere. Inside. Yeah, that's where I typically eat them. I've seen a dude eat a hot dog inside a cardboard box one time, and he was—he didn't care, and he probably would have beat Joey Chestnut, to be honest with you. I don't know why we're doing this. This, I think when you do that, I think we're letting the bad guys win. I don't know who the bad guys are right now, because it's not super clear, but you know what? I think I'm a little bummed out that we're canceling. The- we don't get to see them do their little shimmy technique, and the, the Kubayashi technique yes. of, of, of shimmering, shimmering to shake, shake the food down. The Kobe, Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. Um, no, for real though, isn't that silly that they would cancel that? I mean, the, all the hot, the hot, the hot dogs. Yeah, the hot dogs are all soggy and wet anyway. Yeah, just put up a tent. Nerds. Like you don't have to dip them in the little cup of water. You just hold it out. It's getting pre-wet for you. I don't know. That just feels like we're losing ourselves a little bit. We used to be a real proper country. We used to be able to eat fifty-two hot dogs in a minute. Yeah, or whatever it was. That's Three true. minutes. I forget how long I it is. I don't know that I've ever actually watched one. You've never watched one before. I've seen like clips of when someone well, does yes. something crazy. Well, it's fine as long as you've seen clips I've seen of clips, it. But yeah, I've never yeah. like sat down and watched it from start to finish. Kind oh of no, 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 no! You have to be like from New York to do that. I think everybody mm. else just sees it in clips or you catch it in passing. But we, you still feel very attached to it. Mm. Um, right. Do you like Nathan's hot dogs? I actually really do. Yes. That's about all that I get. Really? Actually, yeah. The past, like, I don't even know how many times that's usually what I go with. It all started with the, uh, with the hot dog, well, quote, quote, hot dog barbecue place that used to be out near our house. Um, cause that's all they used oh, yeah, to yeah. eat. That was what their thing was, was Nathan's hot dogs. Mm-hmm. But the, cause it was even called, you know, Eddie's dog house or whatever, but it was, mm-hmm. um, it was not just that. They had some of the best barbecue in town. They had, great food and then yeah. he got so successful he opened up a sanitation company in um in another state and made oh, a bunch yeah. of money off of that and place closed down so yeah we've been nathan's hot dogs folks since then too and then like you know <clears throat> we don't grill them a lot but my oh, wife yeah, will just my wife will just put them on a pan and just 7-eleven those things just roll them around until they get nice and char on them i just boil them oh gross just put them in a pan get that crust on it baby i've never done that I've yeah. never even thought to do that. Yeah. I didn't consider that as an option you could do. Yeah, boiling boiling huh. hot dogs is just... That's how, we, that's how I grew up eating them, so I that's know. all that listen, I knew. Listen, I, I used to eat them straight out of the package sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Hey, if you're hungry. Hey. What I still don't understand, though, is after how many decades they can't get the ratio right of hot dogs in the pack to hot dog buns in the pack. There's that's always true. there's eight hot dogs and six buns. Yeah. Like... Very rarely can you find an equal pairing. And so you're always left with two hot dogs that just don't have one. One time I made a hot dog chimichanga 
took a hot dog and like put it like I think I, I think I filleted it down the line and put it in a, like a tortilla and then put a bunch of mozzarella and then folded that thing up and then fried it and it was a hot dog chimichanga. That sounds I'm, good. I have a picture of it. I'm not proud of it, but I did it and I ate it. And oh, it we've fun. done food things in the past that we're probably not proud of, but that, that yeah. we did. I, I would, still have pictures of it. And I want it to be out there first that, yeah, we, I, I did create the original pizza cake. I never trademarked it. And, um, you know, ever since I was little, I thought pizza pie, why not pizza cake? Why not multiple pizzas stacked with like a cheese icing? Right. And I want to say that other people have done that since, and that's um, trademark infringement, but it's okay because I'm not yeah. going to come after you. We um, had a lot of ideas that we thought of in our teenage years that we would later like, and often, sometimes like not that long afterwards, it would be some, some company would come out with literally what we were talking about. Yeah, it hurt, it hurt my heart a little bit. Particularly our time traveling game. But yeah, we thought of like a tra- time traveling game, and then the terrible one came out right after that. Yeah. And I was like, What? It was literally what we were talking about, but done like very horribly. Yes, simulation theory. The, the people that were are um are in, like coding engineers were like, oh, we're gonna steal that and throw it back in. Yeah, just like my pizza cake. That was lame. It was lame. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's Fourth of July today. It is. Um, I know me and uh, my family we're gonna go out and watch some fireworks this evening. I think we're going to go like uh, get some dinner and then uh, go to a nearby downtown and set up some camp chairs and watch some fireworks. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to uh, go home and, um, you know, grab grab my weapons and, and defend myself against the other rednecks who are out there who are going to be just <laughs> sh- shooting. Th- no, but for real, I'll just be watching them shoot off all around me because yeah. it's... We're out where you, like you... And I'm jealous. You live kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but yeah. because of that, you do get some of the sort of like locals out there that you know. There's no one out there to really monitor no. much stuff. So no, nobody's kind of go hog wild with it. Nobody's calling the sheriff's office for that. No. Not you know. I would because everybody else loves it. They're like, yeah, yeah, shoot up in big ones. Yeah, except for last night because it was just unexpected. I was like, what is this? what is going on? And I was like, oh, it's July third. I'm like, come on, guy. I felt a little old because I was like, come <laughs> on, man. Yeah. Come on. Why are we? It's 1030. Let's come on. Dude, I had people. I heard them around here like two or three days ago. Yeah. I'm like, you're just, are you just testing them, making yeah. sure they work? Well, if they did, now they're gone. So you don't get to reuse them. No. Yeah. Well, I'll actually probably have, there's usually a pretty good show at my house every year from one of the neighbors. They put mm. them up there. I watched a, we, I, we were actually sitting down last night just kind of like in the evening and I found a video um, of a uh, Japan video of, of the guy that it was a, a video of their summer fireworks that they have. And it's literally just because it's summer as far as I know, mm-hmm. if there's some other deeper meaning to it. I haven't found it out, but it was just it, like, and their fireworks, I think it was the first time they had done it after two years because of like all the shutdowns and everything. So their fireworks went on for like 45 minutes. Wow. It was like forever, and it was it was really cool. So I don't know if I'm thinking. Well, I think they do Halloween fireworks as well, so we may be able to get to see some fireworks while we're there. Ooh, some like scary pumpkin, like Gandalf, like thing, dragon things that yeah, fly around. That'd be yeah, pretty sick. That would be cool. Hmm. Um. Anyway, so uh, I have a little starter snack. You know, the other week we tried those. You brought in those 
what was it? The toxic waste. The toxic waste. Super sour candies. That's yeah. right. It turns out we were just fine. We're fine. Yeah, we're we yeah. we're immune to sour stuff. Yeah, but I I like the idea of uh, trying something just right up front as a little tidbit. So uh, mm-hmm. I was able to get a hold of like, absinthe. We've talked. We've talked. Yes, we've talked about ghost energy drinks multiple times. Yeah, how we have been a big fan. You kind of got me addicted. But there was one flavor left that I hadn't ever tried and couldn't find anywhere. And so, finally came across the Bubblicious Strawberry Splash Ghost. Okay. So, it's, it's based off the Strawberry Bubblicious Bubblegum, which I, th- I think is good. Yes, of course. And so, I'm curious to see what this will taste like and if we'll like it. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's, have, a, let's have a nice libation. And hey, if you're if you're a, uh, a soda company and you want to sponsor us, and uh, we can make that noise more than one time, right? Just like at the beginning of the movie theaters when yeah. you hear the way too loud cracking of a soda. Exactly. Yeah, I can smell it. Mm, it's got a nice. Oh wow! It's definitely got a bubblegum nose to it. Yeah. Hmm. All righty. Pink can, bubblicious, yeah. five calories. I think what is it? It's two hundred calorie, two hundred milligrams of. Uh, caffeine, caffeine, but a hundred split between the two of us. That's true. That is true. And, and I've got a cherry limeade one too on the side. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to overload you. Yeah. All right. So let's see. Uh, all right. Well, well done, Washington, George Washington. Yes. Three, two, one. All right. Wow. That is bubblicious bubble gum. Oh my gosh. That is bubblicious bubble gum in a drink. That is I almost don't like it because it's so much like it, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> that it shouldn't be that consistency. Well, yes. Yeah, I feel like I should be chewing that right now. That is insane. My God. That is really good. I really like it. Wow. So, yeah, Ghost, if you, if you really love Bubblicious Strawberry Splash Gum, that is, uh, if you want to drink it. Yeah, if you want to melt <clears throat> down some bubble gum and drink it in a bubbly can. Man. That uh, is that is it for sure. But and I've noticed all of their drinks. They they're very on point. They're on point and they're very like potent. Like their flavors mm. are strong. Yeah, to the point where many times I would cut the can in. I would only pour half of it and then cut it in half with water, and it's still very drinkable. It's still very flavorful, and it's just like a, a really good flavored water. I can't do that, but yeah, mm. I couldn't water it down like that. But I, I agree with you. They are really on point. Because, I mean, I got hooked on the Warhead ones originally. Right. And Speaking that, of sour candies. Because I love sour candy. Um, they have an apple one and a uh, watermelon one, and those are killer. Those are good. They, did they have the blue raspberries, or is that the Sour those Patch? Those are Sour Patch Kids. And oh. those are even weirder because they have, like, um, or more, those are more weird because they have the, you, you almost feel like you get that pop from the actual, mm. uh, like, sugar yeah from on that, that initial thing from yeah. the actual sugar you actually almost feel like you're tasting the actual sugar like yeah. you would from an actual piece of candy yeah that's pretty cool well alrighty well that'll be our beverage for the episode here wow <laughs> let, me, let me just blow a bubble real quick <laughs> just take a sub and then just <laughs> blow it up um I, I feel like I've been chewing a piece of it do you like in my mouth like I feel like it's like I just like spit it out or something that's crazy Hey, I did want to bring up um, some stuff real quick. Hold on. I need to okay. switch over here. Um, yep. Um, so anytime we get comments from our listeners, obviously we want to f- keep that in focus and we want to bring them up. Now, um, 
these comments are from our favorite film scenes episodes. And so I didn't put them in, mm. we didn't put them in the episode before or the episode after that, um, just due to time constraints. And then obviously I had the plague this past week or whatever. So we missed an entire week, unfortunately. And so I just wanted to share these since they are some of our, our community things. So one of our listeners says a couple of favorites is talking about their favorite movie scenes for them. Couple favorites off the top of my head: the opening sequence of the Revenge of the Sith, sick. Yeah. Um, love that scene. Love the star, the Star Wars like that. It's one of those great starship battles. Um, and then the conversation between Theoden and Gandalf at the Grave Mounds, which love that. I actually just watched the Two Towers yesterday, coming out of my my fever stupor. Oh, nice and beautiful scene. And then the portal scene in Avengers Endgame, and that's obviously always a fun. Yeah, that one's kind of pretty epic of it building up over so many years like that. Yeah, when you when you everybody's he back, baby. Um, and then somebody mentions a scene in American Werewolf where where uh, the Nazi werewolves kick in the front door and mow down a, a bunch of people. That's their favorite. Yeah. Um, and then one of our other listeners mentioned. Uh, this is for Children of Men, it's, um, which is one of my favorite movies. And honestly, this scene could have been on my list as well as for like favorite things if we would have had hours to drone on about. And it's um, uh, when Clive Owen is bringing the baby down the stairs in the middle of battle. So there's like a, you know, kids aren't being born. There's like, you know, whatever. And this, I've never seen the movie. You've never seen the movie. I've made, no, you have. I've made you watch the movie. No. We've never watched that. Pretty sure we have. Anyways, um, because it's got a really realistic birth scene in it. Anyways, this kid's born and there's not a lot of children. It's like very near future, very kind, but Mm. you know, also dystopian in in UK. And um, there's like these partisans fighting British soldiers and kids haven't been born in forever, like, you know, like 10 years or so. And this one lady's pregnant and they're trying to get her somewhere to like, you know, people Mm. that'll help take care of it. And she has the baby in the middle of this war zone and she's, they're coming down the stairs and the crying baby with, and then like you've got soldiers, everybody just stops shooting each other. And they're just all looking at this miracle. And it's like, as soon as they get back outside, you know, 10 to 15 yards, everything just boom, starts exploding again. Didn't that same thing happen in, um, the rings of power in mm. Lord of the Rings, like the elves. Or what was that in that like the elves couldn't have children? What am I thinking of? I don't know. What are you thinking? Of? There's some kind of fantasy movie, children or TV show, elves. or something that yeah, elves couldn't have children. And then one of them finally did. But then like the Witcher. No. What am I thinking? I don't know. I don't know either. I can't remember. There's some kind of fantasy thing that had that, but I can't remember what it is. Well, anyways, whatever. Um. So yeah, those are some, those are some comments from our listeners. And obviously, you know, if you're a listener and you want to comment on anything, you can always go to our Instagram, geek ETC pod, geek ETC podcast on Instagram and Twitter yep. or the geek ETC podcast on YouTube. Yeah. You can search it on there. All one word in the search field and it'll pull up our channel. That's you right. can go and subscribe there and listen to the podcast on YouTube as well as any other major podcast platform that you enjoy and we try to release every wednesday uh, as long as i don't have the plague and, and not running a fever for days upon days upon days upon days and yeah yeah this one might be a delayed yeah this uh, one might be off by a day as well just, off, just due to the uh you've got a lot of stuff going on 
yeah. as far as... Well, today's usually my podcast editing days, and it being the 4th of July. Yes, right. Family's kind of busy with exactly. a lot of things, so... But that's okay. So you can expect this to be a, d- a delay by a day or so. Um, so... Uh, what do you... I, I, going back to the, kind of the 4th of July real quick, I just wanted to touch on that. Uh, have you ever been, like, a fan of fireworks? Um, have you been into kind of going out and watching them, or... What are your opinion on fireworks? You know, I didn't go a lot with my family when I was younger. Um, I can remember maybe a couple of times going with my family. It never really interested me as much as like an actual celebration where people were doing it there. Oh, like like more in person as opposed to watching from afar? Yeah. So I remember Mm. one time in Kansas, and my family wasn't even there. I was with a... um, a family friend mm-hmm. and her and her people. So like, I'm, I don't know anybody at this party. I'm just there, but I'm, I'm like their tag along, you know? And, um, I think it was out in Emporia, like kind of close to where I was born in, but I don't really know anybody out there. And getting to do the mortar shells myself. Cause they had, mm-hmm. they had like, I'm talking the big production. Yeah. Like they had, the, they had all the mortar tubes set up. They had all the big commercial grade, you know, the more of the commercial grade stuff set up. Yep. And so doing that kind of thing was like super fun. See, I feel like being able to do that kind of stuff in person would be more fun, but due to North Carolina and its laws, you can't legally buy those kinds of things here. No. And so growing up, the, any of the in-person stuff we had were always like, you light it and you set it on the ground and you step back about 10, 50 feet and it like shoots up sparks. Yes. Or you have the little sparklers that you light back up, Terry wave around. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's the way it is most places, but sometimes we have bottle rockets and stuff, but around here, typically what happens is everybody goes to South Carolina or Tennessee loads up on the good stuff. And then they come back here. And that's what I'll see tonight is from, from the locals is, um, they'll have, they'll be out there with their root and toot and good time and they'll have their mortar shells and they'll be shooting up a whole thing. I, I like that kind of yeah. thing um, versus like a big crowded space. Now, the nicest one I've ever been to was with my brother when he, my brother went to college in Nashville and mm. in Nashville, they have a pretty killer fourth um, of July scene out on the river. And obviously now I'm not like a country music person, but because it's country city you know, music yeah. USA, they'll have actual big name stars out there. It's like a free show. Oh, People yeah. are out on the river, so like I remember being there with my brother, like on a blanket out there with his wife, and I don't think they had any kids yet. And I remember seeing like Apaches fly over, and you know, nice people up on stages, and you know, it was a pretty. That was a pretty. That was probably that, the most epic show I'd ever seen. But I yeah. think they were even shooting it out of the because we were on the opposite side from where the nat from the Nashville uh, Titans Stadium was. And so I think they were using the Titan stadium to shoot everything out of. And so it was, I mean, bigger city, probably the biggest city I've ever been in when there's gone on, but it was pretty epic. That makes sense. They'd have a bigger production like that. That's pretty cool though. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've never, but it wasn't crowded. Like it is around here. Yeah. That's why we go to, we don't go to like real downtown proper here. We go to a kind of a neighboring uh, town because it's, it's a lot less crowded. They still have pretty dang good fireworks, but it's a lot less crowded and you yeah. can find more open seating and stuff. Cause yeah, like I, I just don't really care to go downtown proper anymore. There's just too many people and yeah. it's too crazy down there. As, as my kid gets a little bit older and can respect it more, I wouldn't mind going. Right. For sure. That's the, and I think that's the thing that obviously kind of sparks is as a kid is seeing these, you know, 
these because as a kid too you know these loud explosions in the sky with these bursts of color and you can feel the like thump against you when they blow mm-hmm. up and you know if you if you can get you know a kid past the point of potentially being scared by that and just into the fascination of it then it's really a cool experience maybe we can try to family it up next year yeah i'll bring him bring the wife and kid that'd be, cool. be interesting that could be cool but yeah i was just curious i, I mean I, like i said i've i'm a fan of the the fireworks it's it's a fun little way to kind of celebrate america yeah absolutely and what we do best blow stuff up blow things up baby hopefully uh, if you're an er nurse uh, and you're listening to this sorry you know i hope you don't have too many fingers come off tonight but right yeah my wife's been making that joke multiple times that like the other night she's like last day for somebody to have 10 fingers yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely is the price we must pay Yes, but speaking of explosions, you know what else causes an explosion? A fireball. A fireball does do that. A pretty awesome explosion. Yeah. So to transition quite a bit, I want to talk a little bit about Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Oh, well, let me tell you about it, sir. Other person who hasn't definitely put in multiple hours. Yeah, so... (laughs) Yeah, we've been, so yeah, this week we're geeking out about Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, we've been given early access to it, Josh and I have, by, by Larry and Studios, who's the producer. Um, yeah, along with the rest of the populace, but. So, Josh and I have received early access for Baldur's Gate 3, and for those that don't aren't aware, it is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition RPG game, yeah. right, set in the... Uh, kind of area of Baldur's Gate, which is part of the in-game world of Faerun, yep. um, which is Wizards of the Coast, you know, classic D&D stuff. And originally, I didn't know much. I never played Baldur's Gate 1. I never played Baldur's Gate 2. Me neither. They resonated with me kind of like Diablo has. Now, Diablo 4 has recently come out, and it doesn't interest me that much. And the reason why is it just seems really repetitive. And I know lo- some people love it, and it is also a D&D Thing, game. Yeah. However, it was it's just one of those games that like it was very clicky, like very click, 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 you know, rapid click type of thing, over top, overhead, not as pretty. Mm. And then I saw the first commercial for Baldur's Gate 3. And I was like, oh, this is epic. But sometimes these RPGs, so for example, the old republic, you know, mm-hmm. the old republic. I don't love that style of gameplay necessarily kind of mmo rpgs yes. particularly like world of warcraft or you know eve or some of the old republic some of those sort of things yeah i've just never i mean neither one of us have ever sp- spent much time in them and and had yeah. much interest it in just it. doesn't grab us it yeah. doesn't grab us the way that some things other things do and to each own because obviously those things are huge those things yeah. are like you know world of warcraft is is a monster of a game you know mm-hmm. people people love that game it has changed the world um, but it's just not my cup of tea as far as like yeah. gameplay wise. So I remember seeing the Baldur's Gate three trailer and it was very beautiful, very mm-hmm. epic, very fantasy. You know, you're seeing all this stuff and then I put the, Oh, that's a mind flayer from D and D. And I started paying attention to it. And when I first started paying attention to it, I realized like, Oh my God. Do you remember when about this was maybe? over a year ago? Yeah. Oh, well over a year ago. And I remember saying like, oh my God, this is, this is what I would want to play. 
and I might even send it to you or something like that. See, I don't, you may have mentioned in the past, but I, it wasn't on my radar. Like I had heard someone that we had played D&D with mention it, but I, I, I had never looked at, again, I think I had just this preconception. I, I, I judged a book by its cover kind of thing, just based off really nothing. Like I hadn't even looked up anything on it, mm-hmm. hadn't watched any trailers, any gameplay, nothing. And I just had this idea of what the game was in my head. And so because of that, fortunately, I just completely ignored it until um, a handful of podcasts ago right here on the show, like you mentioned something about Baldur's Gate. And I, like I, when I was editing it, I, I heard you say, and I was like, what is this Baldur's Gate? Like I've heard, I've heard that another you know, person we played D&D talk about it. Now you mentioned it again. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is all this about? And I just started looking up YouTube videos and was completely blindsided. Yes. By it was not at all what I was expecting. And instead it was the D&D adaptation of a game that I've wanted for many years, but just didn't know existed. Well, and probably one of the best fantasy RPG games period that I've, that I've seen. Yeah. Um, because, and again, all the, a lot of this is based off only this early access. It's only yes. like the first act of the game. Exactly. So when I first started watching it, the highest level you could go to was level three, then they upped it to level four, and now the yeah. highest you can go in early access right now is level five. Um, but they're planning on making the uh, playable up to level 12. And so just the entrance piece, just the piece that we've been able, Josh and I have been able to put our hands on yeah, we actually, it was just last night. When yes. It, we just kind of basically finished Act 1 of, yeah. of Baldur's Gate 3. The kind of what you get access to in, in the early access. Exactly. And that's still with missions that we can't get to, and, and among other things. And so, with, with Baldur's Gate 3, so first off, it is a third-person looking down game. Right. Right. Um, it is... You can like adjust the perspective slightly by zooming in and out. You can zoom in and out. But it's a third person game. It is a third person game. I like that because the zoom in that you get on it is very nice. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that is a roadblock with me with like Diablo is I don't think you can get close enough sometimes where you almost feel like for me, somebody who's played a lot of um, real time strategy games, you lose some of that personality in your character. So with Baldur's Gate 3... You are you've been kidnapped by mind flayers, and you've been you've had a parasite. A, I guess some spoilers for the first act. If if you're someone who's interested but has held it off, has held off on playing the early access and waiting for it to come out. This is it's a trailer. Yeah. It's part of the trailer too. This is not even yeah. really a spoiler. This is like the catch. This is how it starts. You know, you you well, for some people they could see that as a spoiler, but either way, you get we're going to talk about it. You get caught. You have a parasite in your head, and you wind up starting aboard this mind player, you know, skyship, a Nautilus skyship, you know, esque thing. Um, and you're broken free. And that's you, before that you get your character design, mm-hmm. right? You get to make a character. Yeah. We have been, so first of all, the early access that Lyrian's given Josh and I, um, has, has been impressive. Like all of the different classes, subclasses and races, that we've had um it has a majority of the player's handbook races from D&D 5e mm-hmm. and the majority of the classes with the exception of monk which is coming in the final um yeah. gameplay package when, whenever the game actually releases so which i'm really excited about yes and, and to touch on that too it's a game that was supposed to come out in late august august 31st august 31st is when it was supposed to come out 
and then the PlayStation that that and the PlayStation Five versions were to, were both supposed to come out on August thirty first, which is which is crazy, right? Um, what's happened now is though, which and this is something I love, is thanks to the feedback and gameplay and early access that you know they've given mm-hmm. to some of us. Um, they've gone in there and they've been able to kind of tweak the game towards. They're going to release the PC version on August third. They've bumped up the release date. Yeah, by almost a month, which is really which cool. is completely unheard of in nowadays in games. Yes, they did delay the PlayStation one that back to September fifth, I believe. Yeah, just by a week, just to make sure they were getting the frame rate that they wanted. Yeah, but they uh, and they also said that they were moving it up to kind of further distance it from all the fall big game releases that are coming out. So they get to the give kind of essentially kind of distance it even further from Starfield. Oh, gotcha. primarily is kind yeah. of the big other RPG competitor coming out. So to kind of distance himself from that further. And basically they literally said like, yeah, we want you to be able to play our game. And there's like, there's, you come across pretty big, almost what you consider checkpoints or just like kind of good story driven stopping points throughout the story in the, in the campaign through different acts and stuff that you, that if like another game comes out like Starfield and you're like, Oh, well I want to play this. It, it has spots built into it where it's like, this is a good place to stop and I could go play this other game for a while. And when I come back, it's starting up on this fresh new kind of next chapter of the story. Yeah. So they've, that was really awesome that they've even kind of catered to some of that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Um, you know, you start out the game, you, you choose your race, your, your, you know, your, your elf, your high elf, your wood elf, your dark elf, your yeah. human, your half elf, you know, your dwarf. half elf variant, your dwarf variant, gnome, half halfling exactly we're gonna have in the full release we're gonna have dragonborn characters we're gonna have half orc characters like gith yankee yeah i don't love the gith but that's fine you know that's not my doesn't matter doesn't matter what i like necessarily but i mean i i can tolerate them in this game because they do it so good Mm -hmm. and um you choose your class you get a little bit of background information you it starts you up with your starting equipment you get to kind of like you know, adjust your starting stats. If you're a spellcaster, you choose, you know, your cantrips and your spells you start out with. Yes. And that's one thing that I'll just go ahead and talk about while we mentioned it is that's one of my favorite things about this is when you're playing D&D normally, either online or tabletop and stuff. So, you know, 99% of the game is theater of the mind. Yes. And, you know, you're casting a firebolt or, you know, call lightning or, or some kind of spell, whatever it may be. And you, you're imagining it in your head and you can maybe describe on what it looks like, but you're always just kind of imagining what it looks like. And there are some advanced, you know, things like plugins and stuff you can put on roll 20 and stuff that have animated things that will show up and kind of show some animation stuff. And that stuff's cool. And as a DM like myself, I I try to narrate as much as I can to, to really flavor it towards that. But I cannot compete with. I say being able to v- see it visually 3D rendered graphically in a in a video game like that, like, and the the sound is awesome. Oh, like the sound on the, particularly like in in the game that we just kind of finished. You're playing as a sorcerer, and I was playing as a druid. Yes, and so your big kind of attack would be fireball. Mine would be call lightning. The sound on both of those is just so awesome. Yes, the sound of that fireball, how like it it's the just the explosion of it. It sounds guttural and just sounds like powerful. Yes. And the crack of the lightning as it comes down, all lightning stuff just 
the sound and the visuals, how they graphically represented all these different spells. And there's going to be over, they said there's going to be 600 spells. Yeah. Like, what? And, yeah. and each one of those is going to have its own. I mean, some of them, you can tell some of them are pretty similar. Like, your sure. character will do the same, like, hand motion thing, but it'll just be, like, maybe a slightly different color yeah. or something. But for some of the things, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, if you're just doing Shield of Faith or something, like, sure. not that big a deal. But those attack spells, all those things are all different. Mm-hmm. They all feel super unique. So, you know, f- you know, you do your character selection, you start out, and when you when you start out in your third-person gameplay and you're actually getting to play and you're moving your character around, essentially it's point and click, which is very easy. Yeah. So you point and click and your character will move to that yeah. area. I want to go here. You click there. They walk to that point. There's a small little taskbar on the bottom. So when you're not in... Um, in turn-based mode like in combat or something in combat or like you know if you've engaged turn-based mode for some other reason you can kind of free click you can kind of just free attack you know you can send out cantrips uh, willy-nilly yeah. and attack things uh if there's like a pile of boxes in your way and you're like or they're blocking a door you know you can choose just to attack them with your sword or your axe or something or if you're a spellcaster blow them up with a ray of a firebolt or a something. Firebolt, a ray of you know, or, yeah, destroy with a ray of frost. Or even better, one thing I didn't even realize you could do is you can move things around. You can stack also boxes. That, yeah, you know, there's a little bit of that involved. So, um, it is it is so neat the way that they've got that. And then once actual like combat begins, anybody that has any five E background is going to find themselves like a fish in a pond. They're going to love it. They're like it, I haven't experienced this with many other games where a game that I had never played any of the versions, any of the past things before. I haven't even really played many games like this kind mm-hmm. of turn-based RPG stuff before. And it kind of seemed overwhelming, but because I was so familiar with 5e Dungeons and Dragons, when I got into it, like it surprised me how quickly I learned this stuff. Like I knew like I had that t- taskbar you're talking about and like I would hover over the things and like I knew what they all did. Yeah. I knew I knew how to play this game like instantly. Yes. Because like, oh yeah, I'm I'm in combat. It's I'm in initiative. I've rolled initiative. I'm next up in the thing. Mm-hmm. And I, these are my spell slots. These are my attacks. And similarly in kind of roll twenty, how it's nice how you can just click your weapon. It does all the rolling and the math and stuff for you. This even further simplifies the stuff. You just click attack with whatever you weapon you have equipped and whoever you're attacking yeah it, and like so like 99 percent of the rolls all kind of happen in the background but it'll kind of show you if you get like a critical hit or a critical miss or something um but uh every now and then you you will actually roll like a, a digital dice for typically for dialogue mm-hmm. uh you know charisma based or conversational things but the combat it all just takes care of it all and you just have the fun of doing all the cool stuff yeah you can see how far you can move like everything's so intuitive that as a 5e player and especially a gm when i hopped inside of it you know and knowing the I rules i guess you have a different perspective on it too coming from the gm yeah and knowing the rules as well as i do like you know being able to hop inside of it and be like okay well i know i can do this and this and then adding things to it so there's a lot of neat things that are not even really necessarily homebrew that have been added to the game things like if somebody's doused in water, they can be electrified or frozen or, yeah. or something like that. If the ground is wet, you can electrify They've the in, ground. Incorporated those kind of not non-standard actions that, like in a D and D game, you know, the, the, one of the beautiful things about it is 
realistically, you can do anything you can think of. Yes. And they have done a really good job of making it a game of like, I wonder if this will work. Yeah. I wonder if this is something I can do. And a lot of times you can. Yes. Like if you can kind of logic it out to do something like, oh, that actually worked out like I thought it would. Mm-hmm. I mean, this one of those, th- you know, where you can actually pre-plan, like, you know what, I'm going to soak the ground and I'm going to mm-hmm. lure these guys into like electrify. I remember there was a, a, a scene where we did that, where yeah. one of Josh's characters or my character, you, they used a create water spell. And it, when you, when you click, click on the spell, right, you go to the spell slot that you want, you click on the spell. It puts a little circle up on the screen. It's a little circle on the screen. It's, it's like, this is the area it's going to affect. Yeah. Super easy, super like very noticeable, very like, great UI mm-hmm. you click it water comes down right and that area that the circle highlighted is now covered in water so then I then I send out a, a shocking spell on purpose right right after that planned yeah. as, as part of that to, so now I'm, gonna, I'm not only going to hit that person hard but all the people that are in the water are now going to become electrified as well yeah they all get shocked and electrocuted in the so, water so then you then you see like the electricity buzzing through the water and these guys are getting shocked and then something happened that surprised me because the next turn was like kind of the boss of that group of guys. Mm. And that boss used an attack that is a pulling action to pull one of their people out of the electricity. Oh, to right. save them. oh yeah. Yeah. They, I, that I, I hadn't, I had already kind of done most of a playthrough on my own before you joined in on the other one. And like, that's the thing I had with the whole thing and didn't ever see anybody do something like that. Yeah. And, even saying that along that lines, there were many, many things that I saw on our playthrough that I hadn't seen on uh, what I had done of my own. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that and that it had thought about, and I think we're even playing on a, like an easy mode or something. Maybe yeah. Yeah, we we haven't even played up. Um, we haven't even. I need to do that for our next thing, like crank up the difficulty and mm, see yeah. how that goes. But yeah, they they were getting electrocuted and they used yeah a pulling thing and just yanked them out of the electrified field to potentially save them. I'm yeah. Like, that is some decently complex AI stuff. That yeah, doing. I was very surprised that that happened. Obviously, Josh and I are talking about it. So there is there is first, like there is solo play, and mm-hmm. then there is cooperative multiplayer yeah. with this as well. They can have up to four people playing yes. uh, co-op together. Here's the thing. This has been one of the smoothest. And uh, to me, it, it kind of ticks me off how smooth it is. You know, I hadn't even really thought about that till you just said it. That why we don't have it with other things. Or like, I hadn't even thought about how we haven't, we haven't really had any We've problems. We've had zero issues. We've had zero issues. In connectivity kind of mm-hmm. things, like someone lagging out or, you know, nope. the connection not going or, or, or something not syncing up between our games. No. We've had a that couple of dialogue any. things that have, that have got a little Some hanky. of the dialogue stuff, but again, it's still early access. So yeah. if something like that, I completely ignore. I'm like, yeah, they can fix that stuff in the end. But So essentially, wow. essentially the way Josh starts the game, he starts as a multiplayer thing. He sends me a code where I, I, you know, either I can just join it like a regular server or he sends me a code where I just direct access and, and I join the game immediately. And then we're in the game. Both of our characters are in cutscenes. Both of our characters are able to like, I can finish, like I can do the, make all the dialogue and finish a a mission that maybe his character would not be as good at. Right. Right. And it still counts for both of us. There's no, 
it's unlike a lot of games. We're like, did you not get the mission complete on that? Like, what? Yeah. No, my God, I gotta. Uh, go. did, we have to defend the, that guy the again. Achievement didn't like pop for you. Yes. but I got the achievement. Now I've got to go defend. We oh, we have to do another escort mission. Yeah, we have to. I have to. I need to be the one to put it him in the plane it this didn't time. Didn't get Marcus completed for you because you didn't pick up the thing, and then you had to go repeat the mission. Yeah, there's there hasn't been any of that. No, this has been everything has been so smooth. All of like and like I'm involved in his game. He's it feels like a very joint game. And even then, like if Josh and I are playing together, right? Where there's other NPCs that you're allowed to, as a solo player, you'd be controlling up to three other NPCs. Right. Yeah. You have you your pre- team of you adventurers. Much, you can have up to a party of four. You don't have to have that many. You can literally just run with a couple people. Yeah. Which that would definitely be a hard mode. Yeah. If we ran just us, but yeah, you you can have you can. Send them back to your camp and stuff, but and so what we did is we uh, had our player characters, but then our other two member parties. We essentially each picked one for each of us, so we yes. were both kind of controlling two people, yeah, two two characters through the game. And and the game has done really well with that, as far as like I'm controlling this person; they're completely under my control, and they're never they're never waffling between me and Josh. Yeah. And we played that pretty smoothly that entire time, where we were able to. You know, I've got my character, my custom created character. I've got mm-hmm. this NPC character, and then Josh is his custom character and his NPC character. And we were able to really tactically do a lot of interesting things. We were able to hit things from multiple angles at the same time. It was again being able to plan stuff out. Yes. Like that. Yes. Even little things, you know, like being able to, like, you know, Josh is a druid and he turns into a bird and he goes and scouts. You know, you get that kind of thing yeah. going on. We had, yeah, that one instance where. We were on a, a, a like a floating platform, and there was another platform next to it that was hung by ropes, and there was two switches that would move the platform back and forth to get yeah. across this big gap. And, you know, without, you know, maybe expending some higher spell slots to Misty Step or something all the way over there, we didn't really want to do that. And so, I, yeah, being a druid, I just turned into a bird and flew over the gap to where the controls were. Everyone else hopped on the platform. As a bird, I flipped the switches moved him over and then I was able to fly over to meet him. Yeah. And then turned back into myself. It was so cool. Like just the way that we were able to accomplish tasks, the way that combat would work, mm-hmm. you know, little things like um being in an elevated position and shooting down on somebody would give you advantage and so you'd have a higher hit rate on people um with spells and ranged attacks and that kind of thing. And the rules of 5e that apply, you know, like knocking somebody prone and then hitting them with a, with a melee attack. Yeah, you get advantage on them. Yeah, you know, th- there are several times where we were just doing really well. But, like, if Josh and I really needed to pull out all the stops, we could. I mean, we got into a situation in our gameplay where we were having a rough time. A uh, really rough time. And Oh, I remember what you're talking about now. Where Josh, like, I lost my NPC. She went down and then Josh lost his NPC and she went down and Josh was constantly getting knocked down. His character kept getting hit and hit. Yeah, kept falling unconscious and and get revived to when I get helped back up by you and then get knocked back out again. Yeah. And so knowing 5e rules, I was able to just kind of play around with it, you know, cast the right spells and then, you know, help Josh out. And we somehow survived what was like a really harrow. We thought for sure that it was going to be one of those sit- scenes where we're, we're going to have party to. Wipe. It was going to be a total party wipe and we we're going to have to restart. And it was going to be really frustrating. And we were able to hedge it out. Yeah. And by the skin of our teeth. By the skin of our teeth. And be able to, then we were able to, re- you know, use our revivify spell scrolls 
on our party members and bring them back up. And then we're like, okay, we've, we've kind of, we've kind of saved this as best as we can. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, it's one of those things. I, sometimes I, I, it's hard to play, like, especially in D and D where, um, you know, where you're the party kind of, uh, medic or you're the party the support, support class. class. Yeah. But in this one, some of these support spells, you're actually seeing them go out. You know, when you're actually out there and you're like, I'm going to cast a grease spell and knock all these people prone and they can't get to my guys. Or when you would freeze the ground and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like little things like that where you're you're able to actually do stuff that, that sets people up where they can't hurt you. Yeah, and there's something about being able to, to visualize the battlefield as detailed as it is in the placement of the people and stuff. You can like, your brain is able to more concretely determine how these support things like that could really actually be effective yes in these situations and stuff yeah things like grease or like a, a nice platform or electrified water yeah or even like on that uh when we attacked that goblin camp and we decided to funnel them up a ladder yeah and there was this tiny little platform that you we had you had already electrified water or, or grease up, up on top of it and then i blocked their path with a flaming sphere mm-hmm and so they couldn't get past it without taking a ton of fire damage. And so yep. they would just keep coming up the ladder, getting stuck or like falling on the grease and getting electrified and, and couldn't move past the fire. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, though. I will give their AI credit for this, though. They did that with like four of their fe- people and then they'd stopped coming. Well, see, and I think I'm wondering, I, I haven't even thought about it till just now, but I'm wondering if that was, if we were to look at the stats of those characters that came up there, would they have a low intelligence? I don't know. That's interesting. And is that like what, would determine if a character like engages blindlessly like that. If it's a low intelligence goblin, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to run up the thing and go get him. Yeah. Or if it's like a hobgoblin or some kind of higher intelligence thing. And they're like, ah, I'm going to shoot him from here. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so even then we weren't able to like necessarily kind of rig it the way we wanted to all the time. Cause they wouldn't always play along. Now we could, yeah. we could have some really interesting and meaningful um, things that we would do that would really set us up for, for success. The other thing is too, like the dialogue you can talk to so many things. You can talk your way out of situations pretty okay. regularly. I saw someone asking on Reddit. They said, is a non-hostile playthrough possible on I this? Wonder. And they had this whole big discussion on, yeah, like they, they made a character that was just like full charisma, like 20 charisma and like all the, you know, charm person, you know, dialogue, mm. like, like friendship kind of things. And just to see how much of it they could do and just not even have to fight anybody. Yeah. And I think there's like a good, there's seen, I'm like having seen what we've seen, like there's a good bit of stuff that, yeah, we could have just, we enjoyed the combat. So yes. we would want to fight a lot yeah. of the things. But there was a lot of situations that we could have just, yeah, talked our way out of. Yeah. There's a lot of situations where you can talk your way out of. Even then, you, you as a druid, right? As a druid, like, you know, the druid is this kind of nature based class in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition for those that don't play it. Mm. And, Joshua cast a spell called Speak with Animals. Yes, which is amazing. And he, you would run, he would run into these animals who were just, normally you'd see a, a rat running around. You just, well, that's a rat, you know, yeah, like maybe rat. you try to kill it or something like that. Like in other things. And this one, it's like, hey, I see something in this thing, you know? Yeah. Like it's telling him there's like. They've got loot. a key in this chest over here. Like getting told his info by a rat. Yeah. Like there was one instance where, you know, on one playthrough without that walk up and there's this barn, there's this dead like goblin outside and you go inside and there's this, just this cow inside a thing and it just moves at you. And like the, it, the game kind of has a sort of D 
DM-esque narrator that'll narrate certain scenes and stuff, oh, which yeah. I really love. Yes. Having those little tidbits, like kind of speaking in like a third-person narration, like you you notice that the cow seems upset about something. And then, then it'll come up with dialogue options. Like it'll say, like you know, persuasion or deception or intimidation or, or nature, you know, druid stuff. And you get options depending on your classes and your races. You get like a ton of different dialogue options that you can choose from. Um, but you could try and calm the, the cow down or whatever. But if you go in the same scenario and you either cast like speak with animals or drink a potion of speak with animals, then you just go in and the cows are like, the the small one kept yelling at me and he kept, you know, he killed the other cow outside. And so I rammed into him and you're like, you, you killed the guy outside? And he's like, yeah, he was, he was big and loud. And so I, I, I ran into him till he stopped screaming. <laughs> and you can just have, literally have these conversations with the animals. Yeah. Whereas like the same thing, there was this bear sleeping on a platform you needed to get to. And normally you just have to like try to convince the bear or kick it to move it. But this time I went up and I was like, hey, Bear, do you care to, we need to use the elevator. Can you move? And he's like, all right, fine. I'll just go sleep over here. You just yeah. talk to the animal. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, the fact that there's all this, there's so much hidden dialogue in the same vein, uh, speak with dead. Yeah. Like we, we do that only a couple of times, but I guarantee you, like there's a ton of NPCs that if you were to kill, you'd use speak with dead and come up and have a whole nother conversation with them. But this dialogue that you normally would never see. I know you could find loot, a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or even like ways to get around things. Um, yeah, there's there's so many different situations to detect thoughts. You know, like I know there's a situation where mm-hmm. you run into a goblin and he's acting tough, but you, when you have detect thoughts that's cast on yourself, you can hear his inner monologue. He's like, I really hope they don't want to fight me. I'm scared. Right. And he's putting on this bravado. And so you kind of play off of what he's saying in his detect thoughts things. Yeah. You can call him out on it. And then he's like, and he'll be like, all right, I'll give up. And I'll even tell you this really cool way to get across this path. Yeah. Um, you know, man, it's just been, su- it's, it's been one of those games that's been so much fun and it's not been super linear. And, um, you know, even little things like, the, like, finding ways around stuff. Like, I wonder if we can get down here, cast feather fall on myself. So I don't take fall damage, right. you know, and jumping off and, you know, taking these interesting ways. Um, we've been able to, we've been able to do and see a lot of really cool things. And we have able to use like really cool sneaking methods to get to different places because of that. And, um, yeah. it made, I think it definitely made our first playthrough, me and you together, feel very unique t- compared to my solo playthrough. Oh, again, same with mine. Yeah, like everything I had done, I I did. There, even though there was so much repetition, it was so different. Yeah, and there was like so many, and and even in that, like they've heard them talk about it in their uh, some of their updates that they um release and stuff. That you know, the developers, you know, they've played through the, the game. I don't know how many times. They said, you know, even if you yeah, you come across some a lot of the same things, due to the nature of it being D and D roles, all your your roles can be different. Yes, you know, you could have the exact same encounter, but everybody rolls something completely different, so it turns out wildly different. Yeah, you know, different people live that didn't before, vice or vice versa, and it just can turn out way different. Well, and there's a thing too, because you know, Josh, I I played a little bit solo, waiting for like you know, Josh had got the game before me. And then I got the game. I played a little bit solo just to get my, my feet wet. And then we started playing our co-op campaign and seamless as it was. And then Josh is like, Oh no, 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 we got to go check on this. And we would miss points just like 
the way that the time moves in the game where things happen, whether you, it's not dependent on whether you're doing it, yeah. it's just happening in the background. So we didn't actually get to save some people who were, who were like murdered because we just didn't get to it fast enough. Yeah, if you don't get to it by a certain point in the game, if you take too many like long rests or complete, you know, certain missions, you know, too much time has passed, then things don't wait around forever on you in that yeah, game. Yeah, they don't. Like, they, there's consequences and stuff happens if you just don't see it. Mm-hmm. And then you come upon the, the bloody scene of someone who was assassinated, and you're like, shoot, like, if I would have got here earlier thought about it, like... See, and for me, I would have, yeah. as a game, like, when I played through it, I would have just been like, oh, interesting, somebody's been murdered here. Well, that's Whereas what I, you... And, and that's what I thought my first... I, so I've actually done... I did, like, a handful of hours on a first playthrough, and wasn't really happy with my class choice and stuff, so I restarted with a different class mm-hmm. and played... That was the one that I played pretty much almost all the way through. But on that, even on that first one, that's exactly what I thought is I came across a couple missions and having played games that I played, I thought that's how it was. I was like, oh, this is just, this is how the mission is, is this person's just dead and you have to try and solve what happened mm-hmm. or, or deal with whatever happened and stuff. But then the next time I got there earlier and that thing hadn't even happened yet. That person yeah. wasn't dead. They were still alive and they were just like been taken, captured. And I'm like, wait, so you're saying I can stop that from happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, my, I literally sat there for a minute and my mind was blown. I was like, this is awesome. Like I can save this person and that, that consequence doesn't even have to happen. Yeah. And so after, after that point, like I, before I kind of moved on for any kind of story stuff, like I would explore like every little nook and cranny of these little areas. Mm-hmm. Like I, I already remember even there's a, a handful of things that we didn't do in our playthrough that I did in the other one. Really? That we missed out on. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. We just went too quick through places. Well, we, yeah. we started another one last night, yeah. so that we'll we'll have to check it out. Um, yeah, so so far, honestly, I've not. There's been a few quirks with dialogue where things have not synced up necessarily, or we're like, you know, uh, or there's a little bit of like repetitiveness, like in in the audio, where I can hear Josh's like, if I join a conversation, I do like the way that they do that, the way mm. that they do the conversation. So if Josh is talking to an NPC as part of like mission dialogue or whatever, yeah. I, I don't have to be part of it. No, whoever talks to the person first, like they are the one kind of in charge of that conversation. And they enter the cutscene, And what you can do is you can actually see the dialogue boxes above their head and you can click on, there's a little gray ear that pops up yeah. and you can click on it and then you will then j- hop in there too. And then you can help, like you can actually, you can observe it, observe, just observe it. it if you want to just listen or in. vote on what you think they should say out of the options that they get. Yeah. You're part of, like, you get to watch their roles and everything. Oh, yeah, or what's really awesome, what blew my mind again, is you were in a conversation, or you were trying to, like, lockpick something, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was, like, a really high DC of, like, 20 or something. It was. But then I can click the little X and back out of the conversation, and I'm just kind of back out of the open world, but then I cast Enhance Ability on you and give you, like, Cat's Grace for advantage on dexterity checks, mm-hmm. and then in your conversation, where you normally just had a regular role, suddenly you've got advantage. Yep. And I can give that to you from outside the conversation and yep. it affects you. Yes. It was That's yeah. crazy. The game the game has been like it is added it has done so well. Like the 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 scenery, beautiful. Like oh, I'm even yeah. running it on lower settings because my computer's not as, as hopped up as Josh's is. Yeah. And I'm running it on lower settings and it's gorgeous. The game looks beautiful. It yeah. is um There's surprisingly ha- few loading screens. If at all, that, I mean, there's is there is there a loading screen at all? Some sometimes, like when we got on that, I think when we got on that boat, 
to go out into the the river. There was that just turned into a, a cinematic, a, a right? little bit. I like I think if they're cinematic, sometimes it'll go to like a short little thing, but yeah, oftentimes it's not, not there's, much. There's very little in in terms of like loading screens, and even from like going inside of places and outside of places, the way that they do the interior buildings and exterior buildings with the third person point of view, with you kind like of think overhead. of the Sims a little bit. Yeah. Like you can see through the walls and stuff. Yes. They do a really good job. All the loot looks really good. The outfits look amazing. Yeah. You know, man, just so far, this game has like been exactly what I've wanted and it fills a niche for me that I've not had, I don't think Same. before. And I think with the final playthrough, because now what we've seen is that they're planning on recreating Baldur's Gate City, you know, or they've already created it. You know, it's going to be in the in the full release version. And Baldur's Gate 3, like that, Baldur's Gate, the city is actually really big. And so now we've got this, you know, pretty like large outside world area mm-hmm. that we're going to be able to go do missions on. And there's going to be things happening. And then we're also going to have now going into a city. Everybody, who doesn't love wandering around a fantasy city, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see whenever, like, I, I can't wait for this game to come out. Like, it's been a long time since I've had a game that had me like, like jonesing to play it. Like I can't wait to like get home to like, and like get, you know, whatever kind of chores I have done in the house to kind of do, do get the laundry stuff done so I can hop back into this game and play it some more. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way. You know, I, I, I'm excited. Like when I'm like, okay, I can't wait for Josh to get home from work. If like I'm off. Right. So that way we can play. Or like at nighttime, like get some hours in if you don't have to work the next day. And it's been yeah, it's been pretty impressive, honestly. Um, you know, we've got a little bit of the background playing right now where we can see how big the the city is. I think the city is gonna be crazy. I think there's gonna be a lot of really interesting um you know, political things going on, schemes, yeah, missions, and heists. Yeah, I'm curious oh. to see how that develops. Is you hear about like I mean, if there's some big castle thing, and yeah, like, if, if we've got a couple of rogues and stuff, we pop some potions of invisibility <laughs> and go start, and, like, sneak our way into this, you're, like, turning, like, you know, shape, like, uh, druid shape into, like, some, like, a cat or something, and you just covertly wander into yeah. the place. Like, there's a thousand ways you could, you know, accomplish these tasks and stuff. Exactly, yeah. I mean, even even right now, the level we're at, level five, you know, you have access to level three spells within the game. Look how, God, look how big this city is. And you have the ability to fly. So imagine being able, you know, you could, you could be just flying around. You could fly from, from roof to roof. You could... Yeah, fly up to the top of this castle there up are, here and stuff. Like, yeah, there are, I'm very interested to see how it's, this game's going to work out because it is, and they're going to take it all the way up to level 12, which is going to allow for some pretty powerful class, for some pretty powerful class to, gameplay. Is it level six spells at that point? Level six spells, which I, is I, huge. I think it's level six spells, which are some, getting some crazy stuff. Yes. Um, like chain lightning and, and disintegrate and that yeah. kind of stuff. And then, you know, you're going to have um, a bunch of different classes with a bunch of different subclasses. I think there's going to be at least a minimum of three subclasses per class. Mm. And... Um, some of them are going to be player's handbook and some are going to be from Xanathar's guide to everything. So you're getting things like the spores druid, which I think is one of the most OP druid classes. And I like, you know, oh, your yeah. wife played one. I think that one's going to be a nasty one to play in Baldur's Gate three. Um, there's all the, all the wizard classes, all of the, you know, the clerics, 
Uh, I think they're adding what, a Tempest Sorcerer, uh, a Storm Sorcerer into the game. It's going to be um, pretty epic. So if you guys haven't, if you guys are a 5e player and you're looking for something to play, man, I'd, I, you got to go. I think I think yeah. you guys have to play Baldur's Gate 3. I mean, so far it has my 100% of my backing to it. Um, oh, yeah. Like, this is definitely going to be one of... We're going to have gameplay footage for sure of this as soon as it comes out. I think that's going to be one of our big things. Right, yeah. So that's that one of the things. With all the races and sub-races, they pretty much... Most of them have, like, two if not three sub-races. And the freaking Dragonborn has, like... Yeah. Eight or nine or something? Ten. Or ten. It has it's ten. Ten sub-races for like each of the chromatic... And metallic. And the metallic dragons. Like, and they're each different. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. So that's going to be super exciting. I can't wait to um, dive into that and to see what other... Character creation. They're going to be a little bit going a little bit more into in-depth on that, I think, as far as body styles... Uh, not just faces and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, this is one of those games I think is like absolutely, um, to me, you know, like I, I will I don't care about Skyrim ever again. <laughs> well, it, it, what we're doing is like what I wanted in Skyrim. Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's the things that I've like wanted to see is to have that co-op and a fantasy kind of thing with all the the magical stuff you get to do. I think this is, yeah, exactly. Well, the way we were playing, cause we, we, we Jones that one, um, we played that one Skyrim co-op. Oh yeah. Yeah. Together. I, I, I set us up through like a, a mod, a multiplayer Skyrim, like it is better together. I think is what it's yeah, called. The better or, together mod that you could play co-ops of. And it was, it was barely janky. functional, super janky, janky, not janky, synced janky. up at all, not synced up at all. Even this game has been out forever and the mod supports there and what, you know, it's one of those things that like, it's what we want. People want to be able to play RPGs with their buddies. You know, yeah. we want to be able to I take mean, part in that. Cause it's one of those like most personal things that you have it. Couch co-op is, is slowly going away, unfortunately. And you know, man, the, the like the level of fun that Josh and I are going to have with this and like the different playthroughs that we're going to put through on this, it, it makes me so excited. I mean, there's different feats. Um, let's go up and let's actually go through some of the classes, Josh. Yeah. So we, we talked, we mentioned the, the races stuff. Uh, I finally found the article I was looking for here that kind of uh, described all the, the new stuff. Um, so going down to the classes. Yeah. So everything has at least three. Yes. Of the classes, whereas uh, Paladin has four, Cleric has seven, and Wizard's got eight. Jeez. Mm-hmm. So for our Barbarian class, right? So our three subclasses, and this is launch classes, and they've made that very, they've made that very prevalent. That this is launch to, to, yeah, to include that launch verbiage in there, which makes me think that we're going to see, especially now that they've they've included things. So like they've got Berserker and Wildheart Barbarians. And then the next Barbarian, the one that's going to come out with the full launch, is going to be the Wild Magic Barbarian, which is one I think is really interesting. Yeah. And it's not from the player's handbook. It's from Tasha's or it's from Xanathar's. I think can't remember yeah. which one. So but, that, but, that lends itself for us to be able to have Xanathar's classes like Hexblade Warlocks and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I imagine for DLCs. And it, it's one of those things where I will say happily take my money. Oh, exactly. And, and this, it, it's a, 
I think like this is a perfect setup for DLC stuff because the, the you know the first DLC update they come out with the first update is like now you're level fourteen. Yep. You can literally just add that, like add yep. two more levels, and everybody's gonna be like, awesome. Yes. That is, I can take my characters that I have, and I can get two more levels, two yep. more levels of feats and spells and stuff, and you can do sixteen and eighteen and twenty. So you've got like five huge updates you could do just with that. You know, you get your druid, you've got the circle of the land and circle of the moon, which are currently playable in early access. And like we yeah. said earlier, they're going to add circle of spores, which is a Xanathar's class, which is going to be, which is going to be one of the more powerful ones oh, yeah. out there. And it has so many interesting things And the way that we played in the underdark already. Right. I'm so interested to see what a circle of spores druid would be like in the underdark and what kind of awesome like dialogue options. Well, yeah. You could get. Specific things you could get with some of the things you meet down there. The fighter class, the battle master and Eldritch Knight are currently in uh, uh, early access, but the champion's going to be a new one, which the champion's kind of a van- very vanilla class for me. Yeah. Um, but they are adding multi-classing. So this is one of those, th- the champion's oh, yeah. probably one of the like ones people might multi-class into just to get that uh, uh, critical on a 19 and a 20 yeah. on their rolls to have an increased critical range. That'd be nice. The Ranger, the Hunter, and the Beastmaster are currently in there. I like the Beastmaster that they have in there. You know, it has very yeah. interesting where you're able to summon this really cool companions, companions and, and everything. And then they're going to have the Gloomstalker, which is another Xanathar subclass. Yeah. Which is also going to be interesting to see how that, like, takes place in the Underdark. I wonder how, like, Drake Warden would work in that having a dragon that would grow I over think, time. Well, the way that I've seen it now, though, the way that we've seen it, it seems like a Drake Warden would work perfectly because the, some of the summons that you can already do, the fact that you can turn into a polar bear as a moon druid right. already, that you can summon quasits and imps. You can summon, you know, find familiar. Like, I've I've not even really played around with the find familiar on no, my, done that that much. my wizard that much, Yeah, um, which is insane. So the rogue, we have the arcane trickster and thief, which are currently in there. And then we're yeah. going to have the assassin, which, which is going to be, I am, that's going to be, that might be the one I, I go with on that first playthrough, having that assassin class and specking that out with like that and like sharpshooter and stuff. So to have just a archery sniper oh, to yeah. be able to pick people off from everywhere. That'll be wild. Um, sorcerer. We have currently in early access, wild magic and draconics, uh, bloodline. And then they're going to add the Storm Sorcery, storm sorcery which, which is awesome. The Storm Sorcerer is a killer st- a subclass yes, with a lot of interesting things, very powerful, and some really great ways to get out of harm's way, being able to fly like at pretty much yeah. level one, you know, for 10 feet. Yeah. If you cast a leveled spell, I mean, that is a killer class. The Bard, you know. Yeah, well, got- that, that's one that I haven't even touched yet. Yes. And I think I haven't, because none of the NPCs we have access to to like in they can be part of your party or none of them are bards at the moment yes and i haven't made i haven't even played around making one as a bard yeah so yeah that's that's a whole thing i haven't even done yet so currently in early access there's the lore and valor bards so totally different the lore of a bard is definitely gonna be interesting at level six whenever the full game opens up and you start getting access to some of the you get access to spells from any any class um level six which will be really interesting Mm. and at level 10 and then the Swords Bard is going to be the newest one. And that's going to be a really interesting kind of uh, melee support class. Is that the more like combat-focused Bard mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. And then you have Monk. So they're adding the Monk. Which I'm also super ecstatic for. So they're going to have the Way of the Open Hand, yep. the Way of Shadow, and the Way of the Four Elements. And the Shadow Monk, I mean, you're going to be able to just teleport around in darkness yeah. at level six. Oh, my God. 
Are you kidding me? And like being, that thing, like I want to multi-class a shadow monk with an assassin rogue. And you can do that. Yeah, and just make like the best ninja ever. It will be killer. Yeah. Literally. Um, and then we go to our warlock. So they have the, the fiend and the great old one currently in early access. And then they're going to add the arch fey uh, subclass, yeah. which is interesting. Uh, the warlock for me, I like warlocks. Yeah. Um, the, they only have the pact of the chain right now in yeah. early access. I, that's going to be more interesting to me is when they add the different packs, the, the, the pact of the tome, the pact of the blade. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see how that's going to work. Cause the pact of the blades, one of those ones, a lot of people love. And if, I can tell you this much when Larian, I know they're going to do it too. Cause it's probably one of the best DLCs to do when they say, Hey, does you want to have a hex blade warlock? Uh, yeah, <laughs> there, there are people are going to buy that immediately. Oh yeah. Um, but and that's anything thing I'm going to be uh, interested to see as well is on things like either archway and stuff is cause we've come across some NPCs that are like, you know, we've come across like demons and other, yep. Things like to see again, even back into those dialogue special dialogue options you get. Like if you've made a pact with like an archfey or something or any of those things, yeah. Like how does how is that going to be incorporated into some of these story things that you come across? At some yeah, point? Ex- yeah. The, the different kind of like yeah, the, the play that you get with yeah. that kind of thing is going to be interesting that you might not even have if you don't have a warlock in your party at all. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it might open up a completely new door to a different route through something that normally you couldn't have. Exactly. Um, so then we have the Paladin, which they currently have Oath of the Agents and Oath of Devotion in early access. And Oathbreaker. And Oathbreaker. And Oathbreaker, you can ha- only get by actually breaking your oath. Mm. So, you know, you actually have to do a bad, evil thing. There's like a couple of different evil things you can do currently in ev- early access, which will change you into an Oathbreaker Paladin. Huh. And then if you wanted to find your redemption, you could redeem yourself and become, you know, return to your oath in the future. And they're going to add an Oath of Vengeance as well um, as one of the launch classes. Yeah. Going down to Cleric, currently there's only uh, Life, Light, and Trickery yeah. in the early access. But they're going to add Knowledge, Nature, Tempest, and War. Which Temp- is crazy. Tempest Clerics are awesome. Nature Clerics are pretty dope. So those are going to be really interesting to see. I think the Tempest Cleric especially because... Currently, none of the um, clerics have access to martial weapons and heavy armor. And I think now that you add the war cleric and the Tempest yeah. cleric, who are going to be very melee-based, right. it'll be very interesting say, to see. Having some of those, like, to be able to still be kind of tanky and do some damage and stuff, but still have those healing capabilities in the party would be super useful. Absolutely. And then for the wizard, currently there's an abjuration evocation wizard. Those are the only two in the early access. Yeah. But they're going to add the School of Conjuration, Divination, Enchantment, Necromancy, Illusion, and Transmutation. Wow. Like, really? (laughs) You know, those are most, and to to be fair, I mean, the Cleric and and Wizard have a ton of subclassic, even in just the basic player's handbook, which I know they wanted to add most of the player's handbook subclasses. Uh, And I think they even have more to add for Cleric. But it'll be very interesting to see, um, like, you know, you become a necromancer and like what you're going to have following you around, like a whole bunch of undead <laughs> and how that affects things. Yeah. They released a little video on that. I think it was on their Twitter or something today or Instagram. They, and this was just a preview of some of the necro what the necromancer powers could look like. And they've just got like a horde of zombies following them down an obstacle course. Oh my goodness. Just imagine running those guys into something. Yeah. Jeez. Just like a mass, a horde of stuff following you in somewhere. 
Oh yeah. That's going to be cool. So those are, those are some of the classes that they have and subclasses they have. They have a whole bunch of like, you know, starting things, the whole bunch of new spells coming. Um, yeah. Some of the, the spells, like I was just kind of like scrolling through this list, trying to find something like, and like I see, you know, greater restoration. Like we've come across people who were, um, petrified. Yeah. You know, in stone by something. And and they have items in the air already like basilisk oil and stuff that you can use to reverse that. But having like greater restoration and just again, you come across this person made of stone and you just cast a spell on them and they're free. Oh. And that's a whole line of dialogue that you can have with this person that they, who knows what they might tell you. Um, I see like global invulnerability. Mm-hmm. I feel like that could have helped us quite a bit in certain mm-hmm. situations. Absolutely. Is that a concentration spell? Yes, I imagine so. Yeah, so yeah, combining some things like that, I'm wondering what that would be like i mean even little things just adding like a level two or a level yeah like a level two ice knife yeah, or even like ice knife or just some, level some, one ice some knife. other options for those little cantrip or little small level one attack spells could be really cool um, um smites i mean I, I did that thunderous smite last night and mm-hmm. i thought it was amazing I, I smashed this dude and sent him prone it was actually one of the npcs that you can play so we killed one of our npcs last night mm-hmm. and it didn't end the game for us so we'll see how that goes yeah. going forward because right. He was an annoying guy anyways. Yeah. But things like Arcane Gate, being able to teleport like long distances and stuff. Wondering how that's going to work out. Um, let's see here. I mean, I, 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 I want to see the, I just want to see the animation for Disintegrate. Disintegrate's going to be disgusting. I want to yeah. see what the heck that does. That sounds like it's just going to be nasty. Yes. I, I imagine it would. Destructive Wave. I mean, come on now. I mean, here's the thing that... And I think it's one of those things too, or if you don't have a good grasp of 5e or if you have like a, like a rudimentary, like if you've played a little bit of a campaign, I think this is a good way for people to visualize things and hopefully maybe they'll bring that into their actual tabletop play as well. I know me seeing some of this stuff, you know, I'm going to be starting a campaign soon where I'm going to be playing as a wizard and I can tell you this much, I'm going to be trying to, uh, you know, narrate as much of the stuff as I I can yeah, yeah. because I want people to have fun with it and I want people to think my spells are cool. Right. And I'm going to be doing a lot of that. And luckily this extra visual that I've gotten from, from Larian studios and watching Baldur's yeah. Gate three is going to be super helpful to me, I think. And, and that's what I was going to say too, is like having played this game and having to figure out these D and D situations that are in, like, I feel like I'm getting smarter at the game. Like I'm, yeah. I'm learning new and, previously unknown ways to do some of these things or just ideas to have or how to combine you know having being able to you know oftentimes you're playing four different characters with four different classes and stuff and so you're getting exposure you know that's one thing we talk about in our in-person games is we have all these character ideas and we want to try all these different things Mm -hmm. this kind of can give you an outlet for that to like what would you can make a character you have in in, like if you have an idea for an in-person character make them in this game and play with them a little bit and see how it works out. Exactly. Well, it, it's like an awesome test bed for your in-person. That's, that's one of the games. things that's nice about the NPCs too, is for the most part, if the NPC doesn't get their, um, the NPCs that you can have join your adventuring party. If they, if it's not a class that gets their subclass at level one, right? Like we, there's a fighter that joins you that you have a wizard that joins you. There's a rogue that joins you. You actually get to pick their pathway for them. So you actually get to choose their subclass. Yeah. You get to choose what spells they pick. You get to do that kind of thing. So even you can have your cool custom class, but if you're, if you're one of those people that like just hits people, if you're like, I chose a fighter. I don't really love being a fighter. You can still have fun being kind of the face of that and like doing cool things as you level up. 
while also having a wizard that you're also completely in control of and that you can use those spells and you get a little bit of extra gameplay and that I think that'll be huge for people as well. Oh, for sure. It's, it's, I can't wait for it. It's going to be such a big game. Yeah. And like they said, like, uh, people who are just kind of running through it, it was like 80 to a hundred hours. Yeah. And if you're like the type like us that we'll probably do with our full playthrough is like going through and doing every little thing everywhere. Yeah. Like it was, they said it was like easy, like 200 hours plus. Yeah. And we're, so this is going to be one of those games that's going to come out. We're going to be putting a lot of hype into it because it's, it's a game that definitely, you know, I talk about like, you know, gamers fight better together. It seems like Larian studios has done a lot. They have really made this game something that oh yeah. I love, I enjoy, and I think honestly if you've not heard of it, you should check it out. Even just watching playthroughs on YouTube, it is so much fun to think about. And then the second I saw Josh playing it over here in the studio, I remember saying like, "Okay, I got to do it." Yeah. Just just watching it as soon as I saw it in person, I went home and downloaded it yeah, that I got to pull the trigger. I don't went home and downloaded it that day and added it to my list. And then the, the way as smooth as co-op has been, I'm glad that I've waited this long because we yeah. would have been waiting. Yeah. If for, we would have discovered this in 2021, they're like, well, now I got to wait for you like three years yeah, to play this full thing. And they're like, all right, we got to wait like a month, but we're right on the hype train, you know? And, yeah. um, and like, like you said, they put, they, they put so much stuff into it. Some of like they had some release some little stats that, it has more cinematic dialogue than three times all three Lord of the Rings novels combined. Yes, I believe but that. What? Yeah. And it has 174 hours of cinematics, making it more than twice the length of every season of Game of Thrones combined. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't even make that's that thing makes sense. That's crazy. And some of those are just short cinematics, and some of them are pretty epic cinematics. And yeah. man, I don't know the everything everything so far that I've seen in this game. To me, it makes it one of the best games I've ever played. I think it's going to wind up being like that. I think it's going to be one of those games that you and I play that's going to be like a notch on like our friendship thing. Like, you know, there's games that you and I have played for a long period of time. been defining moments. Yeah, like been defining moments of like decades or periods of time. And come August 3rd, I think that's going to be something. This will be the next chapter. A hundred percent. I'm on vacation too during that time. So we're going to. Oh, man. Yeah, it's going to be. There's going to be a lot oh, it's of gonna be Oh, it's going to be tough when I go to Japan. And I'm going to be gone for like three weeks. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, I want to play. I wonder if f- I could save up enough money to get a Steam Deck <laughs> and just load this. Someone has was playing it on there. They said it actually works fairly well. Really interesting. Um, But I think when they add more proper controller support, then it'll work even better. Yeah, especially with the with, now it's going to be releasing on PlayStation, which I yeah. think this is the kind of game, like I'm very impressed they're putting it out on, on a console. Yeah. And I'm... I, you know, as an Xbox player, I'm a little bit jealous, but luckily I have it on PC. But if you were a, if you're a PlayStation player and, you know, you've missed out on these kind of like RPG-esque things that have yeah. come out only to PC, I think you're really going to be able to hit it out of the park when it comes to. Uh, yeah. And, and it's probably, it's going to eventually come to Xbox, but they've just had apparently ran into a lot of issues getting it to work with the Xbox S. XS ecosystem. Okay. Like with multiplayer and split screen and stuff. So they're they haven't said that it's not coming to that. It's just that they it's not they don't want to put it out half working. I'm obviously. fine with that. Great yeah. great work, guys. No, yeah. Again, I might I might be interested. I want we'll probably end up getting on Xbox two just to check it out, see what mm-hmm. the experience is like. But we've got it on PC, so 
wait for August 3rd. Yeah, August 3rd. There'll be a big countdown for when that actually comes out for us. So uh, anyway, so that, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3. Yes. You guys aren't familiar with it. Or if you guys are like, hey, dummies, you guys have been playing Baldur's Gate 1 or Baldur's Gate 2 from yeah. the beginning. You guys are probably right. We should have. Yeah. You're right. We should have done it. But, you know, this yeah. is, we We're are now. We are full 100% hype train now on this. And we hope that you guys will yeah. check it out. If you have any interest in RPGs of any kind or any fantasy stuff or D&D. And like, you know, if you've either got a, uh, you know, if you've got the ability to play the early access, if you have a you know, computer good enough to, to download this and play it, you can check out the minimum specs on the website, then definitely give it a shot. Absolutely. It is one of those, like, you do have to pay full price for it, Yeah. but you know, you, you have the game when you it comes game. out. So yes. I was fine with that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it very quickly moved up my list of favorite games. Like if we do a if we do a Redux episode, like a remix episode of our like episode two and three of our favorite games, mm-hmm. this might take a spot. <laughs> it might have to, especially like I said, after August third. Yeah. We'll, this... we'll see once we put some hours into the full game. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I'm I'm pretty confident in what they got going on. Absolutely. Well, th- that's what we've been up to. I, we appreciate you guys. Our recording schedule's been a little bit more hectic, obviously, with the plague. Um, that's come to me and yeah. put but you're me feeling of, better now. Put me out of commission for a little while. Um, and real life happens, and so it sucks. But you know what? I'm glad that we have you guys around, and gamers fight better together, and that's what we're here to do. Uh, or geeks fight better together. Gamers do too, I guess. You guys, they're one and the same. Not always, but they can yeah, be. They can be. Um, can double dip. So they can. So, you know, hopefully, you guys will check us out on Patreon. Yeah, uh, you want to help us uh, continue to fight. To bring good quality geek related content to you, yeah, go to Patreon. Keep up the. Uh, you guys can help me buy some Mucinex severe stuff so I can get <laughs> so I can get cleared out. Um, yeah, and that is at Patreon.com/slash/GeekETCPodcast. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us fund this project we've got going here and uh, keeping this awesome train of content coming out. That's right. Like we'll be like our friends Tom and Ben, who are who are some of our patrons. We love you guys. We appreciate your support. And we're going to be working on some more patron-exclusive stuff, especially yeah. Baldur's Gate coming out. Yeah. Um, maybe some named gameplay, you know, playthrough or some choice gameplay through, something like that. And yeah. We're excited for it. And, you know, we appreciate the support you can give us, even if it's just a five-star review, no words on one of your podcasting yeah. platforms. Please consider doing that. Yeah. And even when you're hundreds of hours deep into Baldur's Gate 3, always remember to keep kicking out. <laughs>